Hi, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, September 25th. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about the latest coronavirus news, more signs of our imminent doom, including the death of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and President Trump's unwillingness to say he'll honor the results of the election. We'll also talk protest and the police in Conway, and who knows, maybe some more. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Good afternoon. So let's start, as we uh, often do, with the latest in coronavirus-related news. Another week, uh, another big spike. Uh, but I think the news of the week, from my perspective at least, is just how much this is disrupting school, especially K-12 education. Uh, yeah. Arkansas yeah. filled with items of... Uh, schools closed down and football games uh, postponed. And, and I and I have just made a hit or miss attempt to keep up with them. I I, I looked at the health department scorecard just a minute ago, and I think they're up to oh they're counting something like twenty two hundred cases in public schools and three thousand in colleges, and and I don't think that begins to represent everything we know and don't know about who's going to school sick, who's not going. You know, it's just kind of a mess. It's not, uh, and and the state is still putting immense pressure on on people to continue to do as close to normal as possible, which is which is hard to do. A couple of things happened this week that were interesting. First of all, one TV station did a pretty good story about how school districts are having a hard time finding substitutes for all these teachers that either get sick or have to quarantine because of contact with others. And if you remember, the governor was and Johnny Key were asked about this many times over the course of these last six months. And they said, well, that's up to the school districts to worry about. You know, all of the school districts don't get to decide to, for example, go all virtual with, so they can deal with something like a substitute problem. But that is a problem. And then, you know, this, this combination duty for teachers where they're teaching in a classroom and also teaching children who are staying home has just created an immense new workload for them. And I, I thought one of the most significant developments of the week really was the Conway School District, which is a pretty good school district, a pretty big, good school district that has good results. Their superintendent said, announced uh, yesterday, I guess it was, that they're going to a four-day schedule. Friday is going to be just kind of a catch-up day. Now, to get the state approval to do this, they're going to have to agree to let kids come to school as usual on Friday and, and still teach virtually there and provide a lunch and bus service and everything. But I think by and large, but they're not going to give tests on Friday. I mean, it's just going to be, it's just really going to be a catch up day, clearly. And Conway was a school district that wanted to go more virtual than the state would allow them in the beginning. And the two and and the state just said no, and they're just finally pushing. And I, I'm just still of the opinion something's going to have to give. Uh, it doesn't look like the cases are going down. I mean, today we had 900 new cases against more than a thousand yesterday, and the governor says, "Oh well, good, it's a drop." Well, yeah, so what? You know, I mean, so a hundred case drop. I mean. The health department officials say it's clear that we have community spread all over Arkansas. I got this really 
desperate note from a woman in Stone County today who said there have been far more deaths than reported. We've had a huge outbreak at a nursing home. We've got a prison unit that has a big outbreak. We have something like a 20% sick or exposed rate in this county, and nobody's doing anything about it. Won't you please help me? I can't testify to her numbers. Some of the facts of it I am familiar with, so there's at least some truth to it. But that's the problems. We just don't seem to be doing anything about it. And and Donald Trump and Asa Hutchinson, with his ready for business approach, are encouraging people to think it's not as serious as they think it is. I I had a little story this morning that I thought was instructive in its way about an election commission chairman in Izzard County, and somebody had sent me a chain of emails between he's a Republican between him and a Democrat who thinks that he'd fallen short on some training and on some hardware for workers, but was really unhappy because he remarked in a training session to election workers that this COVID-19 thing's a bunch of bull, it's all over, it's exaggerated, and these masks are crazy, and I'm tired of all this socialism people are imposing on him. And I talked to him about it later, and he said, yeah, I said all that. And he responded at great length in the article, and, and he says they're going to try and follow mask rules when they vote up in Izzard County, which is a very rural county, and they don't have big crowds to deal with like, say, Little Rock does. But, I mean, here's a Republican leader, well thought of enough in his county to run the election commission, who just says COVID-19 is a bunch of junk. It's not as bad as the flu. What are you going to do? I mean, it's, uh, (laughs) I don't think we're heading for a good place if things do get worse in the winter. And and the governor, as you say, does does not seem likely to to backtrack on any of the reopening that the state has done. No, and you know, at this point, I mean, I, I must say, at this point, I don't think he can. I, I mean, really, I mean, it's just the the cow is too far. We're going to suddenly close all the bars, or we're going to suddenly make all the schools go all virtual. I mean, we're just not, and and. And there is still this problem on all versions. You know, there's some really scary numbers that are rising in the big school districts where they're saying, well, these men are in class and these many are at virtual, but then we have these number that we just really can't account for. I mean, they're just not doing anything. And that's happening to larger and smaller degrees all over the state. And, and a friend of mine, Sybil Hampton, the pioneering uh educator sent me an article from Brookings Institute about how internet access is kind of the civil rights act issue of the day. And, and, and that's, that's an issue wherever you live. And it's an issue, black, white, rich, and poor about, do you have the machinery? Do you have the internet connection? Can you afford it? And, and, and throwing it all open to virtual would at this point all guarantee that an awful lot of people would be left even farther behind. So I, I, I mean, it'd be, it's real easy to say we should do X, Y, or Z, but all the options are, are difficult. All right. Well, let's, let's move on to even gloomier territory. And uh, that's the, the death of uh, Supreme court justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and uh, Republicans predictable, but uh, entirely hypocritical move to, immediately confirm a new justice. This is one of those things where, did this happen after our last podcast? I guess it happened Friday night. Yeah. And it's and it seems like a, uni, a year of news has happened since. 
solely about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was a, a heroine of mine and was an amazing member of the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, he, here the truth is this. Donald Trump and the Republicans are right. If there is a Supreme Court opening, the president should nominate someone and the Senate should consider it. The problem here is the towering hypocrisy by which Republicans developed this very successful campaign in 2016 to stymie a nomination by Barack Obama of Merrick Garland for 10 months simply because they could, but they, they invented this great thing is let the people decide, let the people vote. And that was 10 months before the election. Now, 40 days before the election, they want to fill the seat because they can, because they got a guy in the White House and it it would be legal and and they can do it but it just it's just such a staggering hypocritical thing and of course the terrible thing is is that he's certain to nominate somebody who is like the mirror image of of Ruth Ginsburg who will roll back virtually everything she did and some of the leading contenders are just scary i mean i think they're qualified from a from an IQ point of view and from a legal education point of view but God, they're, I mean, they're just Neanderthals in their outlook. I mean, roll back gay rights and women's rights and and prisoners' rights and just every possible thing you can think of, just a scary bunch. And, and you know, the president required to, to appoint somebody that, that fits the shoes of the person they succeed, but, boy, it's just... And the, the worst part is, is it's not yet clear he's going to announce his nominee tomorrow, and it'll be terrible, whoever it is. It'll be a woman. That that much is clear. We won't be Tom Cotton, so there's a, there's at least that. Uh, but what what happens if they don't get? It'll be it'll be difficult to get it done before the election. So what what if Trump loses? And what if the Senate changes to Democratic in the next election? Would they push somebody through then? And with Mitch McConnell, the court has been everything. It's the capstone of his career, and he's been immensely successful in, in stacking the court with these Trump Federalist zanies. And I, I think he'd stop at nothing to fill that seat. I mean, I, I'm kind of more or less resigned to the fact that Trump's going to fill that seat either before the election or in the days after, and it's going to be terrible, and that we're just in for the long slog of of trying to turn things around over time, and it's a fairly depressing prospect. Well, the president has said that it's important to have a, a new justice installed because he, <laughs> he, he feels like it's likely that the results of the election are going to end up before the Supreme Court. He also said that uh, or he refused to say that he would honor the results of the election this week. Yeah, two two straight days he's refused to say he'll accept the defeat, and which is, I mean, I, uh, Daily Show did a great piece on it. Said here we got a country saying the leader won't leave office, and we got high unemployment and a terrible disease epidemic. Maybe we need to send in some peacekeepers from the Congo, the United States, and try and straighten us out. I don't know, but. But it's really unbelievable that a president would say this. And, and another sad thing, again, is there have been a few members of Congress who have implicitly taken exception to that view of refusing to accept an election result, but very few. 
silence again from everybody from Arkansas. I just put something on the blog. The New York Times sent emails or inquiries to all 26 Republican governors to see what they had to say about Trump refusing to say if he'd accept the election results. And only one governor of 26 responded. It was Asa Hutchinson, and he said he believed in the rule of law, which is not exactly an answer. Right? But you got to give him credit for at least answering the question in, in some fashion. So, I mean, that's how afraid they are of Trump, or I guess, and afraid of Trump voters. I mean, I still think the belief is, particularly in Republican states like Arkansas, that he has the support of the majority of the people and they're just not going to cross him. And, and, and that's kind of the overarching sadness of all this is that, you know, he might be reelected. He, he, well, he, he could be could happen. Yeah. It, I, I've regrettably waded into some, some hometown social media threads of, of people arguing over politics and, just how corrosive the Trump presidency has been combined with the rise of social media and disinformation campaigns. It's just, I mean, <laughs> facts just don't really matter. For no, and you, and you can't, I, I have once or twice gotten in to try and correct somebody on something and you just can't. Number one, they won't believe it. I mean, if they saw it on Fox or got it from whichever right wing Facebook page, they just say some of the most amazing things, you know, I mean, and it's just pointless to tell the one person you're wrong and give them a citation on it because they won't believe it, but it won't turn this just tsunami of misinformation around that's out there. And it really has become tribal and it's become personal. And, and there's just, I, I was, I mean, I was talking to a democratic Senator today, Bruce Malik, who, had a rare, wonderful defense by Jim Hendren, a Republican, against some nasty mail ads that are being sent out by Republicans against Malik. And we, we were just kind of talking about this issue. And it's, but it's, it's just so rare that you can get any kind of agreement across the aisle anymore. That's what was so amazing about Jim Hendren, a Republican leader of the Senate, nephew of the governor, saying, hey, this stuff the Republican Party of Arkansas is sending out against Bruce Malick is dirty politics. It's just dishonest. It's just not true. And I thought, wow. And I mean, Hendren is not my hero in every circumstance, but boy, give him credit. And Bruce Malick, conservative Democrat, a good guy. I mean, absolutely solid guy. I mean, he and I don't agree on abortion to name one thing. I mean, he's pretty much straight pro-life. But, but, you know, but I mean, I'm just not going to be a single issue voter, but it, it, it just kind of come down to this thing where being a Republican, I think particularly means X set of things. And you just, you just don't waver from, I mean, apostasy is just not accepted. And so it was really striking to have Jim Hendren say anything at all. All right, well, let's move on to a final topic and that's, uh, police in Conway and, and how the police department is dealing with protest uh, surrounding the death at, at Conway police uh, officers' hands of a person who is accused of shoplifting. Well, I mean, this goes, this goes back to February, but I think it's more than that. I, I think Conway is a city that has accommodated authoritarian police for a long time. That's just the way they do things there. And I guess early this year, a, a 
old 30 something year old black man was at a grocery store in Conway and they thought he took something off a shelf, a little toy drone and opened the box or something. And so they thought he was going to shoplift it. Well, it was in his car. He hadn't even left the store yet. And they started questioning and then they started asking for IDs and then they decided to arrest him and he ran and, and they, they held him down and tased him a couple of times and kneeled on him. And he was saying he couldn't breathe. And he said, my heart's a problem. And they finally let him up and put him in an ambulance, but it was too late. He died. Well, they, they were cleared. Of course, I think the prosecutors related to a police officer. And then these days it's just about impossible to, to convict a police officer of anything. They're immune. If, if they feel any kind of threat or were acting in, in an official capacity with what they thought was good reason, suspicion of shoplifting, they can get,